Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I am the managing editor here at Android Central, and I have my lovely guests with me today, Jerry Heldenbrand. Hello, good sir. How are you? I'm okay. Let's You're stop it at that. Only okay? Yeah. Did not have fun yesterday. My body still hurts. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, and hopefully you, you you feel better by the end of this podcast. Oh, I'll feel better. <laughs> I've got Nick Sutrick. Hello, Nick. Good afternoon, Shruti. Good afternoon. And <laughs> I've got welcoming back Derek Lee. Hello, Derek. Good morning, everyone. Morning for you, afternoon for us. Yes, yes, that's correct. Okay, so we've got a lot of things I want to talk about today. Um, the first half is not Galaxy S22 related, and then the second half is all S22 related. So S23. 23, sorry, 23 related. So buckle up. We've got is a lot. Is there a difference, though? Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> is there a difference? I don't know. Okay, um, so let's start off with um, Nick. You wrote an article. It's doing really well on our site, and um, it's kind of a fascinating article. So basically, the title of the article is "My Pixel Seven Pro is Shedding Parts, and I'm Not, not Alone." Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, the the title speaks for itself. <laughs> so, yeah, Nick, th- thank you, Michael, for that title. Why don't you Why don't you walk us through what exactly has been happening with your Pixel Seven Pro? So I went out on a hike. I don't use a case with the Pixel. I just have it in my pocket. And I had the Galaxy S23 Ultra in the other pocket so I could do, you know, camera comparisons and all that good stuff. I get home. I take my Galaxy S3, S23 out of my pocket. And there's this thing sitting on the screen. And at first I thought it was maybe like a twig or, you know, just something that got in my pocket from the hike. And I looked closer at it and I'm like, it looks like a piece of a phone. Sure enough, I take the pixel out of my other pocket and it has no volume rocker. So the, the thing that <laughs> I'm, I'm there. like, the thing that kind of fascinates me with that is the fact that you found it like on the other phone. Like, I'm surprised it didn't fall out or, you know, it, it got it got uh, like stuck on the top part of the case in, uh. Uh, when the, when the S23 was in my pocket. So, I, I mean. I'm honestly surprised it didn't get lost in the woods. That, like, I got home and was just like, oh my gosh, I could have just had no volume rocker. Okay, so the, the thing is that this isn't, it's not just you, though, that this has been happening to. Apparently, it's been happening to a bunch of other people as well. Right, and you know, you always see things like this when a phone comes out. Oh, it's some, so-and-so's battery exploded, and it's like one in 10 million phones might have a battery problem like that or something crazy right um or we we had a couple here with the the pixel 7 pro where the glass on the camera housing broke it seemed like randomly right and i don't know how widespread that one is but i've seen a few reports of that um and there's been a couple of other little things right but for the most part i would say the pixel 7 has been significantly better in terms of problems than the pixel 6 ever was right Mm -hmm. um we don't seem to have any real software issues, but there are a few weird little hardware issues like this. And yet, after I posted these pictures in our, our work chat, Derek and Michael both immediately were like, oh, let's Google this and see if it's common. And sure <laughs> enough, both of them came back with like Reddit threads and other things that were like, oh, yeah, OK, well, this isn't just me having this issue. 
And so what, what are the other people, what other issues are other people having? Because I, is it the same as what you're facing or is it like other parts? It's, it's the same thing for this, um, at least for the volume rocker portion. Yeah. Um, so I, I saw a lot of people as soon as two weeks after the phone came out, I saw some posts on Reddit where people were saying, Hey, this happened. Sheesh. Uh, I wasn't doing anything with it. I didn't drop the phone. And it, that's typically what it seems to be is, is people like me who maybe don't use a case. So, you know, it's not just enclosed in the case all the time. And, you know, usually if you don't use a case, you're typically really careful with your phones. Mm. Um, so that part, like the misuse of it or whatever, or mishandling shouldn't really be coming into that equation. Um, and in all the cases I've seen, people reached out to customer service and they were told that it's not covered under warranty because it's considered misuse or mishandling what? of the phone. That and, okay, sounds now, so ridiculous to me. Uh, yeah, it's, it seems a little crazy. Like, okay, you can pop the volume rocker back on and it works. If you put it upside down, it's really crunchy. Um, it still doesn't feel quite right when I put it on the right way. Like it didn't feel like maybe as smooth as it did before. Um, but the issue is I can really easily pop it off now. I just take the tip of my fingernail and push on the bottom part of the rocker and it just pops right off. You can pop the volume rocker off any phone. They can't be permanently attached. No, I'm not surprised that it fell out. No, no. Okay. So here's the thing. Yeah, I would agree. You can pop off the volume rocker on any phone, but you shouldn't make it that easy for it. No, to no, 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 no. Off. It shouldn't have fell out, but I'm not yeah. surprised because it's just like a one piece of plastic is a little springy and a little bit bigger than the hole. And that's all that latches it in place. Right. I mean, because it has to move. Exactly. But right. I'm like, I'm, I've been reviewing phones since 2011. I've never had this happen. Here, so yeah. here's, my, here's my thought about this. And I, this is a question I'm going to pose to everyone here. How bad is this for Google considering there were so many issues with the Pixel 6? I think it depends on how they handle this. And okay, so that's that's kind of what I was hoping going around this whole thing. So my problem when this happened was not just that it happened. All right, stuff like this happens, whatever. When things like this happen, I expect a company to say, hey, this is a problem. Either they'll replace it, you know, something like that. We're fixing the issue. But in all the cases that I saw, Google was basically saying, too bad, so sad. It's probably your fault, which I wasn't crazy about, right? I know. I'm surprised that they would give a response like that. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously nicer than that. But um, after I wrote this, uh, I reached out to Google, and the first response I got actually back, no. Let let's let's correct that. You reached out to Google, and then we published <laughs> published. The yes. Article. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I sent the email. It got published. Um, and the initial response was basically like, hey, I'm sorry you're having that problem. Uh, go ahead and contact customer service and they should handle it for you. Of course, that's going to result in the same thing that other people said. So then a day later, I got a response from Google saying, hey, our team's aware of this and we're now looking into it. So, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is going to help some people. And that's really what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I always... I hate and I love these kind of posts. I, God, the first 10 years of this whole Android thing, I had 40, 50 phones a freaking year. I hated it, but I had been through some phones. And the only phone I had a, a real hardware problem with out of the box 
was from a company known for making very well-built phones. So can you name you know, the can you name the company? I mean I can't it's Samsung. Samsung builds rock, rock solid phones. You may not like the software, but on the hardware side they are impeccable. Uh you know that that tells me that this just happens and can happen to anybody. But if you just ignore it, you might miss a chance for Google to yeah. instead of thinking that you know this jerk probably pried the button off and now wants us to fix it you make them look at the way they handle this kind of thing even if it's we say you know a lot of people we figure what they sold about six million seven million pixel sixes and they say they sold more seven pros that's not a lot of people but it's still enough to be concerned about if it's more than one so getting them to look at it is good yeah, but I think it also I think the bigger story here is how a company as big as Google deals with something like this, right. right? Like we we're on the other end of things and we're not just looking at how well a phone does, but we're also looking at well what what kind of compensation do you get or how do they treat situations like this? And I'm kind of thinking back to remember when Chris Waddell who used to write for us wrote about the Samsung earbuds infection thing that he had, like he barely got any kind of response as to what's happening from Samsung. Like it's almost like Samsung really doesn't want to draw light, light to something like this. And I think when like, I, and for what though, you know, like I think a better route would be, you know, come out, right. Be like, Hey, we made a mistake here's the solution for you as opposed to sort of just hiding away from it or not really helping you. I get that Google can't just trust every random person out there. Of course. But it's sad that they know they can trust Nick. Nick is, I, I love you, Nick, but you're not anyone special. It's right, why course. would Nick's <laughs> issue cause Google to look deeper into the problem instead of, Joe from, you know, Bakersfield, California, who had the same issue. Why didn't Google care when Joe had that issue? But they seem to care now that Nick's had it. That's what really bothers me. It's fair. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And, you know, obviously, you know, Nick is the one who kind of put it out there for everyone to see and read. Um, so, you know, the company is going to respond to that sort of uh, reaction. Yeah. Are they just responding to, to what they see as potentially bad press? That's what it kind of feels like, isn't it? That they don't really care. They just don't want people to talk about it. It, it could be. But to my knowledge, uh, Chris never got a resolution on his earbuds well, or the if you watch know, issues that he had, right? He published both of those and those did uh, a lot of traffic for us. If you can get in touch with Chris through his Twitter account, you should ask him what the last deal between him and samsung about that was you'd be I, i'm not going to speak for him but that'd be really interesting if you yeah i'll double check <laughs> I, I believe i <laughs> you know what i'm talking about and we can't I do, say it I but do. Chris can. I, I believe the official line is if people have the issue you know of getting an infection from these either the watch band or the earbuds or something like that that samsung will refund your purchase but they're not they're not trying to fix the problem, right? They're just, no. they're dealing with the issues as they come up for people because 
you know, like we said before, in all honesty, this is probably not half of the people that buy it. It's probably in the single digit sure. know, percentage at the most. But those people still matter. Sure, and exactly. They, they do. do. They do. And, and that's the, same, the thing. The it's same like, goes for Joe from Bakersfield with a broken Pixel 7 volume rocker. He matters just as much as Nick or Chris or me. Or well, anybody. and no, and you know, here's the thing. And this is where I think this is probably where Google and any other company's thinking is you could easily get a free replacement and kind of take advantage of the company. And so, you know, I, I can understand where the company is also coming from, but I also am like, well, you want to strive for great customer service. Right. Before you just dismiss it, you need to look into it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, hopefully Google fixes this for us and for all those people that are out there. Uh, tell us what you guys had to deal with if you're interested. Um, let's talk about something that's happening in India. Um, okay. So our colleague who is based in India, Harsh, um, wrote an article titled WhatsApp spam is getting out of control in India. Now, this is something I have found very interesting because, uh, uh you know, I think, WhatsApp is dominated in usage by people from India and from parts of Asia, not China specifically, but like certain parts of Asia and Europe. Um, it's mostly dominant there as opposed to in North America. But actually in North America, I guess people are using it a lot because a lot of their relatives are based in these countries. Um, and so, you know, he wrote that there's been over or WhatsApp has over 2 billion users around the world and India alone accounts for a quarter of the user base. Uh, touting over 500 million active users. That's a lot of accounts. Um, and he's been kind of receiving a number of spam messages on WhatsApp over the last two months. And it's now a point, and he writes this, it's now a point where it's, it is continually frustrating. What makes it worse is that all of these messages are from businesses that should not have been able to contact me in the first place. Uh, so let's not forget WhatsApp is owned by Meta. Meta owns Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram. Um, I, I found this to be fascinating, and I, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on this. What do you guys think about this? This increase in spam messages, I guess, on WhatsApp. So it's interesting to me because um, while I haven't dealt with, like, spam from, like, businesses or anything that I know of, um, I, I've dealt with a lot of spam on WhatsApp from, well, I honestly don't know what. Um, I'm always getting messages from a person um who I, I don't know their their photo is like of a of an asian woman um <laughs> what? yeah 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 it's it's so random um it's like i i don't even know like it's been a little while since i've gotten a message um but every but i would get them so often that i like i would constantly delete block report and it's usually like the same like woman or at least the same photo of a woman i don't know like who it is what it is um but it, it it was happening so often that i just got so annoyed with whatsapp and then it started moving to like my actual like text like i was getting text from like a person like saying like oh is this so and so oh i might i have the wrong number anyways how are you like it's just so weird, but it all started with WhatsApp. So I don't know what's going on with WhatsApp and their spam. Um, I haven't dealt with, like I said, I haven't dealt with it from businesses, but I've dealt with some random sort of spam from I don't know what. 
and it's it's weird i know I'm, i know sorry uh nick i'll get to you in just a second but i may wonder if someone can correct me on this but i i know that in china for example they have WeChat, which is basically everything all in one. It's not just a place where you can chat and talk to people, but you can also pay for things. You can, I I think you can shop for things through WeChat. I'm not entirely sure, but I is WhatsApp trying to become like that? Like they're trying to make it so that it it's um this place where you can kind of do everything all in once. Or am I wrong in thinking that? I'm sure because I know WhatsApp's used for payments a lot in places like India. So I don't I don't see why not. I mean, like Harish was saying, uh, Meta has been trying to monetize the platform more, which makes sense. It's like when when they bought Instagram and Instagram was, you know, everybody thought Instagram was overvalued because how the heck is that platform monetized? And Twitter was the same way for a long time, right? It wasn't really well monetized. It was just kind of there and somebody paid for the servers. So them trying to move this into a more profitable medium, especially with so many people, good Lord, 2 billion users. I don't even think I realized WhatsApp was that big until I read this article. And, and I think that's also because it's not used in the U.S. as much, or at least I don't know anybody that uses WhatsApp. Or if I do, they've never given me their, their username or however you even message on that thing. I haven't used it in years. Yeah, I mean, it, and then I guess the other thing, too, is that um, why are we seeing an increase in spam messaging? So, you know, one of the things that I have reported on in the past is when it comes to spam emails and messages. And in general, a lot of the times scammers like to take advantage of the moment or of something that's happening in that moment. Right. So, for example, when the pandemic happened, like at the very beginning, um, there was a, a a very, very large volume of scam emails and spam text messages taking advantage of COVID-19 and vaccines and being like, hey, if you sign up for this, we'll get you on the list for a vaccine, that type of stuff. And so that basically is a scammer prying on the vulnerability of people, you know, dealing with something that's happening in that moment. And so I, I think what intrigued me in this is that not only is WhatsApp trying to figure out how to monetize itself even more, but like, why is there an increase in spam messages right now? Like there's literally, I mean, am I missing something? Like what is happening right now that there would be an influx of spam messages? Honestly, I don't know. I, I just, you know, like we were talking about, you know, Meta's trying to figure out how to monetize and that um, means opening the the app to businesses and, you know, giving consumers the the ability to, you know, message businesses about services and whatnot and to buy products. Um, and I think just that is probably just opening the floodgates for just a bunch of spam. Well, I, I think for WhatsApp in particular, didn't Facebook start some sort of big push to businesses in Asia to get on they WhatsApp did. and yeah. use WhatsApp? They did. That that could have explained the WhatsApp spam. But uh, more importantly, the first thing I saw or thought when I saw this is, huh, carriers in India must sell your phone number and information just like they do in the United States. And two, this is the best reason in the world to never use your real phone number to sign up for WhatsApp. But you can't, how do you, hmm, okay, so here's my question. How do you sign up for it without using your real number? Because well, you just my, get a, 
a, a SIP number or get a prepaid SIM card for eight bucks for a day. Yes. Right. There's but you still ways. have to keep topping it up though. Like my dad used to do that and then he stopped doing it because it was just a waste of money. Can you even use like a Google voice number with this? Cause I, I know, know some of these services will block those like virtual numbers. Cause they don't, they're trying to prevent spam basically. <laughs> just, just don't. If, if they're selling your phone number, do everything you can not to spread it around. And you know, then Facebook, Meta, WhatsApp, any company that needs you to use a phone number will find an alternative way for you to use their service. Well, that's one way to go about it. <laughs> I just, I hate the fact that companies sell our information. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely unfortunate and it's, it's, um, it's really annoying, but okay, let's move on uh, to our next topic, which is uh, a topic that I think, uh, well, it's it, it was a long time coming um, and it has caused quite a stir in the streaming services world. So we all know that Netflix has um, officially laid out its rules for password sharing. Um, so basically Netflix accounts in certain countries will now require you to set a primary location in order to access them. You'll have to pay extra to add people who don't live in this location to your account in addition to the higher fees for more simultaneous streams. Netflix says you'll be able to access the accounts while you travel, though most likely only for a limited time. And fun, fun, fun. Starting February 8th, users in Canada, New Zealand, Portugal, Spain will join this new system. So it doesn't include the U.S. yet. Um but I want to talk about this because I want to talk about the implications of what it would be for users in the U.S. And, you know, obviously one of the reasons why Netflix really wanted to do this was um, because they weren't getting the number of users that they wanted on the platform. They were losing users to competition. Um, and maybe this is a way of keeping new people on the account. I don't doesn't really make sense to me. What are your thoughts on this? So this is a bummer. For me, um, <laughs> I to um, put it mildly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and don't get me wrong. I I get why Netflix is doing this. I understand it. It's just as the consumer, it sucks. Um, I have a Netflix like I'm the primary on my Netflix account, like it's my account. Um, but I live in Seattle. I also have my mother, um, who lives in San Diego, on my account. I have her own. She has her own profile. My younger brother who lives with her in San Diego has his own profile because he's 13. Um, and then I also have my other brother who lives in Minnesota on oh my, my account God. as well. So it's your so, fault that they have to do this. Basically. So, <laughs> well, I mean, but they are my family. Um, they don't live with me, but they are my family. So I have them on my account. And now with these new rules from what I saw from Netflix um, on my, cause I have the premium. And apparently with premium, you can only have two extra accounts or like, yeah, two extra like sub accounts or like profile, two extra people on your account. So that means I'm going to have to get rid of one of my family members accounts um, and figure that out. But that just it just sucks. Like, I'm, and that, I'm totally willing to yeah. pay the extra because, you know, fortunately, I am subscribed to T-Mobile and they pay for most of my Netflix. Um, so I'm willing to pay the extra, but it just sucks that I still have to get rid of one. Um, like, why can't I just pay for a third account as well? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. Putting it that way is is really dumb. Yeah, and like I actually it, why, didn't even think. I didn't think it? about it that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think about that at all either. I mean, like, I, I mean, I get it in terms of, um, you know, if like you have different. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, like, or even if you have like, but it, it didn't occur to me that like, you know, you have family members in two different states. Like, it's not just in one other state; it's two different states. And that that kind of makes it even more challenging to navigate this. Yeah. And, and I just I just wish they like wouldn't have limited it. You know, I, again, I, I sort of get why they're doing it, because, you know, something's got to give and they got to get more like full account. But, you know, the, the thing, too, and I think is, is kind of funny is that it's not like Netflix has any shows that are really that spectacular compared to other streaming services like i i've like they do have some good shows don't get me wrong but that was for for a very long time it was always like netflix's number one netflix oh, is number yeah. one and then you know companies like disney plus came out and then apple tv plus and like hulu and like paramount and whatever parrot what is it called <laughs> peacock whatever <laughs> <laughs> I mean, flamingo. Sure. Yeah, no, there's like so much more competition now. So I get that. Um, you know, and like, yeah, Netflix shows like Netflix now to me is more quantity over quality. Um, yeah, for but, sure. But, but even when there is a show that's quality, they cancel it after one season. After they canceled yep. um, 1899, so I was livid. That show, oh my gosh. Because, like, <laughs> if you've ever seen Dark, that like 1899 oh, yes. is yeah. very like dark and it was so good i was so into it and then to hear that they canceled it that and archive 81 i'm still i'm angry at netflix like oh yeah like, if t-mobile really wasn't paying archive for my netflix yeah. i would have canceled it a long time ago but i love it yeah it's just like you know what all all the crappy shows are getting all these seasons but then all the actual good shows that people care about just are getting canceled so quickly. So it's like, all right, Netflix, like, what do you want from us? Yeah, and I I think to build on your point earlier, you know, I I went while you were talking and looked at the current plans, and they're called basic, standard, and premium, right? And then, of course, you have basic with ads. But other streaming services, like if we're talking about music, right, Spotify, YouTube Music, those are all called family plans at the top end, right? And I feel like they would be better off going with that model of you pay for the family plan and then who cares where it's coming from, who cares where the stream is going to, whatever, right? Like if you're paying for a group of people, obviously only so many people can log in at once. Um, I I could see, I kind of feel like it's more reasonable to restrict individual profiles to locations. So if you are allowing four profiles, like the premium one right now says, Watch on four supported devices at a time. All right, cool. So now when you log into a profile, you say, okay, this profile uh, home is in Orlando, Florida. This other one is in uh, New York City, you know, whatever. Like, And then those profiles would normally watch from those locations. If that constantly differs, then yeah, you get a strike on your account or whatever. Because you don't, it's unreasonable to share your account with 20 people, right? Like that's obviously would be going above and beyond. But I feel like if they take this a little further down, 
and they dial it in a little bit better than what they're doing right now, I feel like they would make people happy and still kind of shore up the issue that they're having right now. My my thing is, I, I don't think they really thought about that. Like, I don't think, I think they, I mean, I'm sure they did, but I think it was more of a, um, how, like, I think it was like a decision made based on um, stress of like the way that the markets are right now in terms of streaming services, right? Like, I think like, okay, I'll give you, I'll give an example. So Microsoft invests in OpenAI and then announces it's going to be releasing Bing with ChatGPT. Google scrambles to make some sort of announcement saying, oh yeah, oh, actually we're also doing something. Here's Bard, right? Like, it's 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 a reactionary um decision I, at least i think it is as opposed to one where it's like okay how can we do this so that our customers are not upset with us and i i'm like very curious to know like like considering that like netflix has made all these decisions on canceling shows that are really good have they not noticed the backlash from people like are they not noticing what people are saying this is a very different thing, though, Shruti. This is, I think Netflix should throw internet providers under the bus here. You know, Netflix pays billions of dollars a year to Time Warner, AT&T, Comcast, who hates the fact that people use their service to stream movies from Netflix or any service, you know, any streaming service, you know, 20 hours a week. They hate it. And they, 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 they pay. To not, you know, get deprioritized. Nick, what's the word for that? You know, not not kicked off completely, but whereas like their throttled? stream no longer has no, yeah, not throttled either. They just prioritization. Yes, yeah, yeah deprioritization. deprioritization. And Which, you know, we wouldn't even be having this conversation if um, our lawmakers didn't suck and right. repeal a certain uh, what was it, twenty twelve <laughs> bill, right. but. You have to put all that on one side of the scale and on the other side of the scale, how much money they bring in some from subscribers, either side of that balance can't weigh way too much and, and tip the balance. Uh, so this is how they think they need to get that balance back in check. Right. And I don't agree with, I don't think this balance is the right balance. <laughs> well, probably I, not. You know, I, I agree. If we had true net neutrality, Netflix wouldn't have to pay Comcast. And I, you know, hopefully wouldn't have to pay Netflix as much. I don't know if that would be the case, but if you follow out the theory that I'm proposing, that would be the case. I don't yeah. think you can conflate this with any people are pissed at Netflix because they canceled their favorite show. Netflix isn't even taking that into account here. No. no, no. But what I'm what I mean by that is like it's a compound effect, right? Like you do one thing after the other, it's going to piss people off. So, you know, Netflix does price hikes every couple of months. That's already a notch in people's belts of like, oh, OK, this company keeps taking my money. Then they start canceling shows that they that people really like. OK, that's another notch in my belt. Then they release shows that are just kind of like subpar, not even that interesting, not even that great. That's another notch. So that compounding effects accumulates to, OK, now Netflix wants to crack down on passwords. All right, well, to hell with to hell with it. I don't want this company to be a part of my streaming service package anymore. That's what I mean by that. Like, is Netflix not taking into account 
these compounding hateful effects that people are having before making a decision like this. If, and if they think that this is going to save them money, is it really going to save them money? Considering, again, going back to that compound effect, if someone is having so many issues with a company, they're just going to say, well, you know, maybe I, I'll put my money somewhere else. And the thing is, too, like, you know, Netflix is really the, like, seems to be the only streaming service really making these huge changes that no one likes. Um, you don't see Disney, like, my best friend has probably his whole family on his Disney Plus. Um, you know, and aside from Warner Brothers canceling a bunch of stuff, like, I don't see anyone putting these same sort of this level of restrictions on their platform. So, it's just so strange that Netflix, which continues to be the biggest streaming service, is is the one that's doing this. Uh, and maybe it's because they're the biggest; they feel yes. they need to do this. What they do you have mean? So it's only going to last so long. Are, well, they, if they have so many more users that are sharing accounts and they're not getting paid for it, that's a big cut into their profit. Yeah, but the other there. but the other streaming services, because they're smaller, you would think that they would want to crack down on it more. Maybe. I mean, or maybe they think, see it as, uh, you know, they can get on social media and say, like Netflix used to say, we don't care. Share your password. Sharing is caring. And that'll draw people right. to their service. But this is, this, is also, this is why I just find it so weird that the smaller, that the quote unquote smaller streaming services are, are the ones that don't seem to care, but the biggest one does. Yeah. And, and I don't necessarily think that Netflix can hold subscribers by putting out a, a, a one season or half a season of Stranger Things and be like part two coming six months later. Like, yeah, OK, that's great. You know, obviously it's like one of their blockbuster shows, but you have like four blockbuster shows and then you're trying to bang on people stay on your platform with like, listen, I'm a huge Netflix fan, but this is not convincing me that I want to stay on the platform. Do you right. know what I and, mean? and again, this, this whole thing is in response to them losing subscribers for the first time in like a decade. So obviously they're not doing something right. Yeah, and I don't think this the is, opposite of yeah, this is the opposite direction economics. that Netflix needs to be going. Right. I, I kind of feel like, in their minds, they're too big to fail because they've been the biggest since they started, right? They, they basically started this whole thing or did start this whole thing. And they've been on everyone's TV, on everyone's phone, on everyone's mind for the last 10 years. And so they're thinking, well, we're going to do this and see where it goes. And, you know, I imagine worst case scenario, if this backfires, they just reverse it and nobody bats an eye and they keep on paying for no, Netflix. No, but, but then, Nick, they would have to reverse a whole bunch of other things as well. Because this, this decision of doing this would be the, the straw that broke the camel's back, basically. Because they, they don't have to reverse anything yet. Well, They've no. They've been yeah. very wise not to do it where the vast majority of their income comes from. And, uh, and skirting yeah. around the United States, which right. is smart and yes. shitty at the same time. That's not there to people who live in Canada or England that Netflix is too chicken shit to try it where they make their money. Sure. And and I think they've also been slowly boiling the pot. You know, prices have been slowly going up every year. Like it's it's one of those things that, you know, maybe if you look at your budget, you notice it. But how many people really sit down and look at their budget regularly? They don't. Probably not a significant number. No, uh, I, I, I just, Derek blew my mind. 
with why limit the number of accounts and not let me pay for more? Because I have Netflix. I don't even watch the crap. I have it for my kids and my grandkids. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You got enough on your plate taking care of those kids. Just here, use mine. That's what right. a dad and a granddad does. One day y'all might know that, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I need more than three accounts and I'll have to give up mine. I'm not going to take one away from one of my grandkids. I'll sure. give up my own damn account so they can have it. Netflix, let me pay for more. And I will. Right. Yeah. And I, both my wife and I were even like, yeah, I'd, I'd pay five bucks to, you know, yep. keep our account on there. No big deal. Like, I don't really care about giving them five bucks. It's not, I can find Dude, $5. Dude, I will, I will pay for an ad free account. Give me good, give me good content and give me enough members on my account so that I can help the people around me. Like literally that is all we're asking for. Yeah. Cause I barely use my Netflix account to be honest. Cause again, like all the shows that I love keep getting canceled, but you know, my, my brother, you know, did, didn't have it. So I let him on it. My mom and my younger brother as well. Like, you know, I just want to, you know, I, I just want to share it with my family, you know? Um, and, Netflix is now limiting my ability to do that. Yeah, that's really frustrating. Anyways, Netflix, if you're listening to us, um, know that you have quite a few disgruntled users here, but we're still gonna <laughs> we're few. still gonna keep subscribing. But it is what it is, you know. Know that we might unsubscribe anytime soon. You never know. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note, let's take a quick break, and I'll be right back, guys. When it comes to hiring, you need to trust your gut. But what if you could give your gut some help? When you want to find top talent fast, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. So something that's really amazing about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. You know, take Instant Match, for example. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to U.S. Indeed data. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit indeed.com ACP to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com ACP. Indeed.com ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, uh, so uh, we got some fun topics out of the way. I want to focus on beloved Galaxy S23 that came out. What was it last week that was announced? I don't even, what, what is time? Who even knows? Time doesn't even it's, exist. Yeah, anymore. it's been about a week. <laughs> it's been about a week. 
will, will it be out out for everyone by the time this podcast publishes? Some people have already received their pre-orders early, so yeah. Oh, but wow. It's, okay. it, but it won't be like out out until the 17th. Right. We still have we still have a week until you can walk into a store and just pick one up. Exactly. Okay. So Derek, you wrote an article called um the Galaxy S23 stands out because it doesn't. Great article, by the way, man. Fantastic. Thank you. So well written. And it's uh, got a little bit of Nick's perspective in it, which I really love. But okay, so let's talk about this. Um, basically, the article is about how the S23 has a very boring design and it kind of, it, nothing has changed. So Derek, walk us through this article and what your thoughts were. Well, I mean... You know, Nick and I, um, when the leaks were coming out, Nick uh, was telling me how he hates the design. And I I don't hate it. I do think it's boring, but I think it's nice. It's simple. It's clean. Um, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's boring. Um, it doesn't stand out. And, you know, to, to add to that, you know, Samsung released the Galaxy A14 in January, which has the same exact design. And then we've seen leaks of other upcoming A-series phones, which will apparently have the same design as well. So um, to me, like, to me, it kind of makes sense that Samsung is doing it this way. I think it's, it's just trying to be cons- like have one consistent design across its lineup, um, which for the A-series phones, I think it's kind of a good thing because it makes them look like the flagship. Um, for the Galaxy S23, eh, not so much because then it kind of cheapens its design because it looks like it's, it's you know, mid-range phones. Um, but I think for Samsung's sake, it's kind of smart to have this consistent design because then it, it may um, speed up its manufacturing process probably because they all just look the same. They all have the same design. There's no like camera bumps that they have to worry about or anything like that. Like there's very little deviation in the design. So it's probably a smart decision on Samsung's part. Um, Well, actually what you're really saying is Samsung doesn't want to deal with classism. (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. I mean, I I think that's an unintended side of it. Yeah, I I do too. I, I think it's, um, like in that respect, I think it's I, I kind of like that because, you know, no matter if you get like the cheaper phone or the more expensive phone, it looks the same. It looks nice. It doesn't look exciting, but it's at least. But nice. does it make does it make the person who's buying the more expensive phone ask themselves, well, why am I paying for a phone that looks exactly like the phone that someone is buying, like the A series? Right. And I think and I think that, you know, that comes to, you know to the internals, to the display, um, you know, it, it's all about, it's the inside that counts, um, not the outside. And that's very evident <laughs> with the Galaxy S23. Um, and I think more so because, I'm sorry, but these colors are so ugly. Like, <laughs> I like, I mean, you look at they the Galaxy S22, the green is so beautiful. Like I'm holding it in my hand right now. The green is so beautiful. Cause like, in certain lights, it looks blue, and I love blue, and I love green, so just the combination of the two is great. The S23 Ultra, or the S22 Ultra had the burgundy, which was just so sexy and bourgeois. Like, but then you have these colors. They have, like, this 
a new green that's just like it's like dirty moss i don't even know how to describe yeah. it and then like the, it's very foresty yeah and then you have do like they actually l- call it dirty moss no that's my that's, that's what i call okay that's what i call it i had to it. check because <laughs> if so that would be awesome no that that's my name it's dirty moss it's just it's ugly it reminds me of the iphone 13 green which was also ugly i loved that one what are you talking about shruti anyways um were you what? were you dissing the green on the iphone yeah yes. you're the first person i've ever heard diss that the iphone 13's green is 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 an uglier moss wait which, which iphone are we talking I, about? I used to have the iphone 13 13 let me look it up and i'll come back yeah it was just the ugly one the I, just yeah just type I'm that sure into google 13. the ugly green one because they have the 13 and 13 Derek, pro just, the 13 pro was like lighter um, and the 13 was dark. Some hate oh, that right was the now. one everybody loved. I just looked it up. I remember I Ew, countless I people posting on Twitter it. about how nice it is. <laughs> well, whatever. Well, y'all this, you y'all know what? have this no shows, taste. Samsung's made the right choice. Yeah, you can never please more than one person. Y'all have no sure. taste. And so whatever. do what is best for yourself as a company. That's fair, I just think, fair, I don't fair. know. Like, it, not only, because again, just not only was the design just boring. Again, nice. It's it's fine, but it's boring, and the color selection does not help very much. Um, okay, do we? Okay, so here's my question: because you made a few points that I thought were very interesting. One, it would help Samsung with manufacturing potentially. It would help streamline things. Okay, do we think that this strategy is going to be something that will be that is temporary, or do you think it's going to continue on for other generations? <laughs> I think it just depends on how this whole economy thing goes. Um, Because I I feel like companies have to be very strategic in how they launch phones now um, and how they manufacture. Um, So I feel like it's going to be like midterm, just like temporary. Um, But I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I mean, is there there another phone company who. Gives us the same basic design year after year for both their premium model and their hmm. budget model. Good point. I wonder. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> so does does that work for them? Yeah. Oh, and does it though? Because they Samsung have the, the iPhone the Mini. Of course it does. I mean, of the iPhone Mini apparently hasn't been selling well. Well, that's because and the iPhone 14 Plus apparently hasn't been selling well too. I think that has to be to do with the economy, though, not because of the company. Does it though? I think it does. Yeah, I think so too. If, if you've got to buy a new iPhone and can't afford the one the internet tells you is the best, but you can afford the regular one. But the mini, but yeah, the mini like, is the one like, that wasn't selling well, and that's like what the cheapest one, isn't it? The cheapest. Yeah, one. but nobody wants the cheapest one unless they absolutely have to go. The but it's an iPhone. <laughs> if you're an iPhone lover, you want you want an iPhone. No, regardless. but but the thing is. The thing is, I think it's not just Apple that's dealing with this situation right now. I think it's like all companies as a whole where people are saying, well, we have a phone that's working well. It's good. And it's literally exactly the same as the phone that you released last year. Why would I want to buy a phone that looks exactly the same? I think that's more of the trajectory that people are having, not that it's it has to do with the with the company or whatever. You know, I, I actually wrote just that. And I think companies would be better served to come to grips with that idea 
rather than try to change consumers' minds. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I do agree. Like, I think, yeah, like this whole yearly update thing, like, we don't need a new phone every year. It's got to um, go. No, like, you don't. If, if you've got a Galaxy S21, you don't need an, an S23. Well, because, right. okay, okay, guys, think about it. Think about it, though. When a company is releasing a phone, though, they're not necessarily targeting the audience that bought the phone the year before. They're targeting the audience that bought the phone three years ago. Right. Or the, the audience who can get it for next to nothing by signing a new contract. Exactly. Exactly. Carrier. Exactly. But, but... It kind of, it, I don't know, because like if you go from like the S21 to the S22, there's like no difference. So I feel like the people who are still going to like look to upgrade from whatever phone that they have are probably going to go for the S21 instead of the S22. And as far as the S23 goes, I, I can't really say, but um, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm here or there about this whole whether or not companies I, I think, should I think launch the annual a new phone. strategy is a losing game long term. Right. It, 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 it was fine be. until the last two, three years. And we're at the point now where we have such diminishing returns between years. And in fact, Samsung and most companies would have done better to not even release a phone last year because the processors suck so much. So, you know, I feel like if these companies were a little bit smarter with their releases instead of just, oh, well, hey, it's 12 months later. We got to release the phone, guys. It's, it's, it's just that time. And we, I think we'd be better off. Yeah, because they're just not so exciting anymore. Um, to you and I, though, again. Yeah, remember. yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just like you look from the S21 to the S22. There was hardly a change. And then from the S22 to S23, I look at the specs and I'm just like, there's like nothing different about these phones. It, it's even it's even smaller of a change on paper. I mean, I really just have after having the S23 Ultra for a week, the only reason I could tell somebody to upgrade is because if like if you're a gamer, yeah, it's better. Um, if you hated the battery left in your S22 Ultra for some reason, it's better. I mean, but it's not. But is it a thousand dollars better? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Not, That's why like, you should go for like the previous quietly, generation. Is it a thousand dollars better? No, yeah. the answer is no. It's yeah, not. like that's why no. you know I would I would be like, hey, go for you know the S22 instead of the S23 because like you know it's going to be cheaper. Um, probably not by much, but I mean you know you're not spending eight hundred, a thousand dollars on the phone when you could get one that's almost just as good. Yeah, I, I told myself when. Phones got to be a thousand bucks that I'm never going to upgrade my phone until the company that makes it forces me to, or until I bust it because I do something stupid with it. And yeah. And that's, I'm that's how, by that. that's how a lot of my friends, um, cause if you guys remember, I wrote that article about how a lot of my friends were still using their pixel twos and pixel threes. Mm -hmm. right. Fine mm -hmm. phone. And, uh, if Google would still support them, that would be the phone to buy. Right. But, um, you know, I was trying to convince them to buy the uh, the Pixel 6a, and they all ended up buying the Pixel 7 Pro. Yeah, um, yeah. And they <laughs> love great. it, but like, but like, that's only because their phones were so old. Um, that you know, it was yeah, just time. And at that point, holy cow, what an upgrade! Yeah, exactly, and they all love it. Right, that was probably worth a thousand bucks since they you had to get a new phone anyway. And it right. wasn't even a thousand bucks. The Pixel 7 Pro is. 900 so almost yeah but, 
that's just my imaginary line in the sand is about right and it's frequently on sale so more than likely at least a few of them didn't pay the full price though so, <laughs> yeah ha- ha- having said that if i had to buy a new phone today i wouldn't care if i was a billionaire i'd probably buy a 6a 299 bucks yeah the 6a yeah, that, that's, a gr- that's a great, that's it's a great, that's a great looking phone. Okay, let's but, talk about. Well, back to this. I okay. Before we go, <laughs> I like this. I think Samsung found something that works, and they're sticking with it. And good on them if they believe in it. This is the way the phone looks. This is our design language. Even the software, just small tweaks here and there. Now that they've got it where they like it, good on you, Samsung. Stick with well, what you like. Yeah, I mean, is is Samsung taking a page from Apple? Probably ish to an extent. Yeah, maybe. I just wish they um, took a took a a page from LG because again, I I compare it a couple of times to the LG Velvet, and the LG Velvet had a very similar design, but something about it it was it was just immaculate. It was a beautiful phone. Um, but, man, quit your lying. I had one. Excuse me. It was a piece of <laughs> junk. <laughs> okay, maybe like it, I don't know. It, it, I, it, I visually, think- I think it's a beautiful phone. Okay, and, and more okay. and more so than the S23. And I think part of that too is probably because of the back because they had much more interesting colors on those phones. Yeah. Uh the colors just the the curvature I I don't like curved phones but like just something about the way LG designed that phone. It was just beautiful. Anytime, um, anytime Derek is able to plug LG into any <laughs> podcast episode, <laughs> give me a million dollars, someone. Okay, I want to move on. I want to, I want to bulk our last two articles together because they're sort of, they're both kind of related to each other. Um, so the first was written by Michael and Jerry. It was a collab piece. The article is titled Galaxy S23 Cameras Explained 200 Megapixels and Why the Other Sensors Are Unchanged. And then we've got Nick's article, which came up this morning, Thursday morning, Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra Camera Review. More megapixel, but more megapixels isn't always better. I can't talk. Okay, so Jerry and Nick, uh, I'm going to put you guys in the hot seat. Tell us a little bit about these two articles. Uh, whoever wants to go first can go first. But I'll go first and talk about the, the reasons that they didn't change the sensors and why that's actually a good thing. And uh, we, we talk about it in the article, which you should read and help support us. But 99% of the heavy work on your phone camera is done by software. And I don't mean the app itself. I mean the software, the brains inside the phone. And that's very fine-tuned to a specific set of hardware choices. When you change one of those hardware choices, you don't have to start back at the beginning, but you have to rewrite a significant portion of the software to try to get back to where you were with the old hardware. And then you can work on it being better because you're using quote unquote better hardware. Uh, Samsung has got their hands full with the 200 megapixel sensor and perfecting that. Leaving the others unchanged that they know works well and that everybody seemed to like, smart move. Do that. When you fix the 200, then you can think about changing you know, the, the main camera sensor. Well, they changed the selfie sensor too. So that's even more work they have on their plate. You don't want them to take on too much at a time or you won't like the cameras as much. So I think it's a good thing. 
I am curious about the whole selfie thing, though, because, uh, you know, on one hand, Samsung launched, you know, this new 200 megapixel camera being like, oh, more megapixels. Yeah, we can do all these better things. But then going from the S22 Ultra, which has a 40 megapixel front facing camera to the 12 megapixel, um, that's just that it's such a contrast, you know, like they're going opposite directions. Um, with these sensors, so um, that that was just a very curious thing. Yeah, me. and I'm I'm sure they had really good reasons why they wanted to do that, and I guess somewhere along the line they'll tell us. Uh, uh, right now, they're just saying it's better, and maybe one day they'll tell us why it's better, or maybe users will see why it's better. I mean, but, yeah, I because I I think with the 40 megapixel, I believe it would um, pixel bin down to 10 megapixels, but now we're just yeah. getting a straight up 12 megapixel camera, and they're saying it should have better autofocus, 4K 60, all that stuff. So maybe it's just the actual sensor itself is better. Maybe. And say maybe. Hi, hi, I'm back. What did I miss? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> something something went wrong with your audio apparently. My, well, okay. my headphones just stopped working, so my apologies. <laughs> Well, I was just saying that the last two articles I wanted to combine. And so obviously Jerry's, which was in collab with Michael, was about, you know, the S23 cameras explained. And he was right. kind of talking about that. But what what we wanted to hear from you is because you actually wrote the review for the cameras specifically for the Galaxy S23. And then obviously Jerry was talking about the selfie camera and some of the other features of the phone phones cameras i guess now it's like what's your perspective of it now that yeah. you've done that full review of the camera too, too long didn't read samsung needs to work on getting the 200 up to the same snuff that their cameras have always been before they worry about changing other sensors yeah so let's see um synopsis all right um that front-facing camera i'm glad they made the switch the new sensor is definitely better um, there we go, Derek. Phenomenal quality on the front-facing camera. Of all the phones I have, it's the best one. Um, Samsung's portrait mode is stupid good. It was the best last year, and it's even better this year. For the front-facing camera? Both, front and rear. It's, it's just whatever AI thing they're using does a really good job of Chat figuring GPT. out what what <laughs> it's chat gpt they use chat, chat gpt, GPT. No, my phone how to make that's a bomb. part of the microsoft <laughs> partnership there it is look at that I didn't even tell us about it seriously though like it does a crazy good job of figuring out depth and what you know where objects are in relation to that depth was there a time of flight sensor on the s23 no, i didn't even check there's definitely not one in the front and it works just as well as the back which is super surprising to me you know, whereas over the years, I've noticed Google used to have the best portrait mode, like when the Pixel 3 was out, right? And that portrait mode was just killer. It's just gotten worse. I don't know what Google is doing, but their portrait mode has just gotten worse and worse and worse over the years. I mean, um, I, I think the portrait mode on the Pixel is fine, but I was looking at some photos from the S23 from Shaka. Um, and it was, it was interesting how well it worked, like around his beard. And things like that. Like I was thoroughly surprised with how good the portrait mode on the S23 is. Yeah, it's just really good. Um, gosh, other than that, let's see. The ultra wide camera is worse. I don't know why. It's the same sensor. My best guess is there's something weird going on with the ISP in the Snapdragon 
8 Ooh. Gen 2. Yeah, that's the right number. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're not talking like way worse or anything, but it, it you know, it, it had worse quality in low light. So contrast was like way kicked up and like the, the, the shadow detail was totally crushed. Um, it had like a green hue to it. Just not, not super impressive, but on the same camera, macro photography was way better. Like that's now the best macro camera. And it's, it's funny how that, that happens on the exact same camera. That's, that's unacceptable Qualcomm because if Samsung didn't change the hardware, we're going to presume they, uh, presume they didn't change the algorithms. Qualcomm, you made the camera worse on this phone. Right. I'm, I mean, Fix it could it. be, it could be Samsung software too, because uh, once we go to the, like the 200 megapixel sensor, all right, that thing, when you set it at 200 megapixels, holy cow, the detail. I mean, I know, you know, marketing speak and all that, but it's legit. Like even at night, the way Samsung does the multi-frame exposure, it still does multi-frame exposure on a 200 megapixel image. So you're talking like a 40 meg image. They're huge. Yeah. But you don't sacrifice that dynamic range and a bunch of the other things, you know, where we've had many phones in the past that will let you use the full resolution, you know, 100 megapixels, 150, whatever. But you always give up processing. You always give up the dynamic range in a bright shot. Your shadows are going to be, you know, destroyed or the sky is going to be overblown or something like that. That doesn't happen on this phone. But the that's, issue. But, do, do you think that's the processor, Nick? Because yes. I've always been of the mind, yeah, the reason that they didn't use that kind of, you know, software, AI companionship with high megapixel cameras is we would complain that it took too long. Yeah. And I mean, this is this is slower. I, I said it in the article. Um, if I counted to five seconds and I just tapped the shutter button, I could take six to seven photos and I'm on that default 12 megapixel. Whereas when I switch to 200 megapixel, I can only take three or four in that same five second. You, you uh, weren't left frame. thinking this is way too stinking slow. No. The only reason so, I, I thought it was slower necessarily was because I sat there and tapped the button a bunch of times in okay. five seconds, right? So like, yeah, I, th they can finally do it. That's good. Yes, exactly. Um, the, the biggest issue with both the main sensor and the telephoto sensor right now is consistency sometimes man the detail and all this stuff is just it's great it's a definite upgrade over even last year's right but then there are some shots and and shaka uh, pointed out in some of his where it's like he took a picture in that one studio and the the blue cake was white because it just totally overexposed the cake and you're like what the heck is this thing doing and i've had several shots like that too where you take the picture and you look back at it and you're like why why did it do that? Yeah, Samsung often overexposes. Like when there's any shot with, yes. with the sky in it, it's overexposed. Uh, no doubt. Let's but not this be is... too hard on Samsung. I saw a picture from Nick of the wood grain on a table or a board. I forget which it was, Nick. That's an AI issue. Google has that same issue from time to time, too. It's AI oh, yeah, I know just gets about. lost. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's been an issue with uh samsung phones for a long time that they they have fixed substantially like that that goes back to the whole watercolor effect right when when phones really started ramping up the uh right. denoising 
Right. And I, I want to give them just... credit for fixing that, even if there's still fly offs one once in a while. Right. I, I think so. There's that. Um, and maybe the last takeaway I would say is just that despite the fact that 200 megapixel shots are super detailed, it's not a proper replacement for zoom, which, you know, obviously you don't have that issue on this phone, but when you have 200 megapixel mode selected, you can't use the other cameras. So you have to, you have to choose between them in the moment. And I think when you are specifically looking to take a picture of something far away, you absolutely want to use those telephoto lenses, not the main sensor. Because the addition of the 200 megapixel, it should, I assume, in comparison to the S22 Ultra, at least improve those zoom shots, right? It made no difference. Interesting. So, like, even, like, with the furthest zoom, like, you know, at 50 times whatever, like, it was no different? I I didn't notice anything at all. How how long does it take to switch back and forth from the regular sensor zoomed in to the 200? As long as it takes for your finger to move up to the top of the okay, well, that's good then. You, yeah, you no, have a moment not, to decide. It's not a long process. You just need to think about it versus, you know, oh, just whip okay. out the phone and take the shot. But right? yeah, this, the screen doesn't go black for three seconds or no, anything no, like no, that. No, okay. No. This thing is fast. Like, this phone is stupid fast. It's very nice to see. Well, that's good to know. It, it sounds like, <laughs> to me, like, if, if you really, really are into the phone camera, it, the Ultra may be worth 200 more bucks if you need to buy a new phone. I, I would mm. say it's worth it for the zoom levels alone because this is one of those situations where if you don't have a phone that can do this, you're going to go, do I really need 30x zoom, 50x zoom? Well, right now you don't know you need when it. When you're but, spying on people, but, you do. Whatever. I don't use it for that. <laughs> those but neighbors seriously, across this the is street. one of those things where you don't realize how useful this is until you have a device that can do this well. And I, then you go, oh, there's all these scenarios in life all the time where having this is really awesome. I agree. Like Actually, in comparison no, no, with, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In comparison true. with like the S22 and the Pixel 6, like, Pixel 6 can't really zoom that far, but the S22 gets like 30 digital zoom, 30 times digital zoom. And it, like, to me, I just sometimes find that a little more useful. Um, even with my Note 20 Ultra, um, I have the, I think it's 50 times zoom and I get some amazing shots of the moon. Uh, not even it, about taking so pictures great. though. It's not even about taking, like we have, <clears throat> my partner has a, <clears throat> excuse me, a Pixel 7 Pro. We went to a concert and we were like not close. We were pretty far away, but we used the zoom in the camera and the, there was like no distortion in quality. And we were able to watch the concert really up close, which was really cool. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, um, it's useful for sure. It's not yeah. just a market. And, and, and expect to see an update that says in camera improvements. I, I, I get hard on Qualcomm sometimes, but if there is, any tweaks needed in their ISP, they will make them very quickly because they are big on, look how great the camera is using our stuff. So I don't want to sound like, you know, this is a dud because there may be some launch issues. That's pretty standard. Yeah, and and I think that's the important thing to look at is so far what I'm seeing is software related, all things that can be fixed in the next weeks or months. And I'm sure they will. 
Yeah, oh, me too. That's the hope. Okay, um, I want to talk about my favorite thing every week, which is the thing that made us happy the last week. So who wants to go first? Me, because it just got delivered while we were on the podcast. Ooh. Okay, what made you happy? Brand new hybrid memory foam mattress. Ooh. Ooh. I, I, I have a, I have to sleep inclined because of my messed up back. And I have been using the same mattress since 1996. And it's got to the point where it's just horrible to sleep on anymore. And God, mattresses that work with my bed are super expensive. And I've been saving and I bought one and it got delivered today. And oh it's gosh. sitting out there and I can't wait for my wife to get home and help me throw it on the bed. Tonight, oh. I'm going to sleep and I'm never waking up. Jerry, okay, you know, I was born that. in 1992. Yeah, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that makes me really happy that you're going to have amazing sleep tonight. That's very exciting. That's the hope. Um, who else wants to go next? I guess I'll go. Um, I, uh, I've, I'm just super happy and excited about um, Gosh. Sorry, sorry. I I I wasn't even sure I wanted to like bring it up, but I uh no, I uh Hogwarts Legacy is out. I'm Why really, don't you want to bring it up? Yeah, reasons, but I will say that I love this game. It's super fun. It's great. I um I got the digital deluxe version, so um I got it like whatever, 72 days or 72 hours early. Um, I think it officially comes out tomorrow for most people. Tomorrow, yeah. Um, at least at the time of recording. But um, of course. But yeah, I this game is so fun, and it, it's taking me so much to like not like play it while I'm supposed to be working. <laughs> it's <laughs> guess it's, who's gonna call in sick tomorrow? <laughs> uh, it's so, excuse me, no, you're not allowed to. Thank you. <laughs> It's so give it away. Come on. Fun. I would just it's it's beautiful. Like I've not really experienced any like really major issues with gameplay. Like it's fun. The combat is great. The character like creation thing is great. It's just it's such a fun game. And I'm like, like pretty much when I'm done with work, that's all I do. Um, is play this game. And it's just, you know, I love the Harry Potter universe. And I'm just like this is the game that we've been waiting for for such a long time, and it so far has held up to our expectations. I think. I can't wait to get mine tomorrow. Your turn, Nick. Um, Nintendo Direct this week was phenomenal. Um, Nintendo Direct usually sucks. I don't know if anybody out there watches it or not, but it's usually it's usually pretty bad. At the most, we might get one decent thing that's worth watching in the thirty or forty minutes of stuff that they roll but yesterday we got uh pikmin 4 was announced uh metroid prime remaster gosh let's see what else a new samba de amigo which you know for all thousand other dreamcast fans out there i'm ridiculously happy about that and then of course you know it it ended with the uh latest tears of the kingdom trailer which uh, there are no words for my excitement for that game (laughs) But no new Switch. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, what? I think... No new Switch? No, it's not happening. They sold too many. Oh, <laughs> they need to update that thing. I hated it. They really do. Well, the OLED is, the OLED is good. I like the it's, OLED. No, it's I'm not. Like it, it, just, 
you talk about throttling and slowdown and oh mess, yeah it's I it's can literally it 10 year old hardware <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's optimus 3d phone from sprint is what's inside <laughs> like and i get well, that the whole pokemon thing is partly game freak's fault but like i also think it's partly the switch just not being able to handle the game yeah it's, have you ever played minecraft on the switch god i wouldn't even want to any any phone that i have in my possession in the last five years runs it better than the switch so yes i trust me it's a it's a great idea and it's got some great games but man i absolutely hated it yeah the hardware is the hardware is rough no doubt well i can't speak to that guys but anyways <laughs> um so what made me happy this past week? A couple of things. Um, so last week I mentioned I was reading the Psalm for the Wild Built. I finished that. It was so beautiful. I'm so excited to read the next, um, the sequel to it. Um, I finished, I started and finished tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, um, which, oh my God, is, oh, it's, yeah. I feel, oh my God. It's such a good book. I, oh, I am speechless. It's so, so good. And if you haven't read it, you guys really, really need to read it. It's about, it's basically a, a story about two friends who are video game developers and it spans like 30 years of friendship. And it's just, oh my God, it's so, it's such a good book. Um, yeah. So that, that made me happy for finishing that. And then of course, just like Nick, um, the new Zelda game, uh, Tears of the Kingdom. We saw the second trailer and I just, oh my God, I literally, I like, I went and like pre-ordered it right away. Like, I'm so excited. Well, okay. To be fair too, I am almost done with The Last of Us and I'm about to start playing properly Hogwarts Legacy. So I'm excited. I have a few games to play before Zelda comes out, but uh, watching that trailer was just, it made my week. Can it I just say so I awesome. love your Hogwarts legacy character? No, that's okay. So, <laughs> uh, complete sidetrack. So my partner, is, he's been playing Hogwarts legacy. And so he was like, let's make each other as our avatars. <laughs> and so his character is me. Like he, that was his character. So he made the character look exactly like me, which is hilarious. It is hilarious. But just blase look. I think, on it look, I think it looks just like me. I feel like it looks just like me, which is awesome. But has the attitude as well. Well, no, the worst part is he changed her hair and, she, and put glasses on her. And it looks like, I literally saw it and I was like, where did you get a picture of me from high school? Like, why, do, why did you make me look <laughs> wow. so nerdy? Like, I was like, what? But yeah, no, it's, it's great. I'm excited to play it as well. And um, yeah, a lot of, lot of good times with the, the gaming community. I'm excited for everyone who, who's, who's in there. So, Shruti, make me a promise. Okay. Your next well, novel. No, yes. no, make, just make, promise me. It's a okay. good thing. You'll be glad if you promise. I, I, okay. I swear. Okay. Your next novel. Is going to be on the beach. On the beach? Yes, it's by Neville Shoot. It was written, I think, in the fifties, but it's about nuclear holocaust, end of the world. People are in Australia waiting for the radiation cloud to come. Oh, interesting. And okay. it is just, it's it's more of a, a a social commentary 
of mm. how the people deal with it and how they deal with each other. And it's kind of like uh, like Lord of the Flies type of situation. Yeah, in, in some ways, yes. In other ways, it's very thoughtful, too. Mm, it's, a, okay. it's just a, a great novel. And I know, you know, nobody reads old novels anymore, but some of them are still great. Well, actually, okay, speaking of old novels, um, and we're so off time with our podcast, but I don't care. <laughs> um, I So I needed a break, and that's why I started reading the other two books, was I, I was reading um, Stephen King's Misery, which was written in like 1989, I think, or 87, and it's... Oh my, it's so, it's so well written, but it's, it's hard to read because it's really graphic. <laughs> like, it's very gruesome, but I don't mind reading older books. So I'm, I'm excited to read this, uh, Jerry, I will take a look into it. And I promise it's a really good book. If anybody I believe else you. is listening, to, I believe it you. is. Uh, well, okay. On that note, I just want to thank everyone who listens to us, whether it's in the morning, afternoon or night. Thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us. We really, really appreciate it. And we will catch you guys very soon. Bye. Adios. See ya. Later.